From our headquarters in Oslo, Norway, and on behalf of our host, Robbie Peralta, welcome to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. The most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with their lives, and some of the most interesting 40-year-olds I know still don't. Wise words from a man named Boz Lerman, but I wouldn't have listened to him when I was 16, because I was far too busy thinking about what I wanted to be when I got older, or more accurately, how I was going to earn money. Brian Contos, a long-term veteran of the Mnemonic Security Podcast, was visiting a college with his daughter recently. I noticed tons of concern and excitement amongst high school students regarding this infamous AI. In particular, how AI will impact their choices of schools, majors, careers, and ultimately, their future. Maybe you have kids on their way to college, or maybe you just find it interesting to ponder how AI will affect our futures. Either way, here's a conversation with the high school junior a cybersecurity legend, and me, about AI. Athena Contos and Richard Sinan, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to have you two here. This is the first time in 110 episodes that I feel old. So thank you for that, Athena. Yes, my 16 years, I'm glad I'm bringing some new perspectives, I guess. Yeah, you definitely are. And uh, 16 years old, so that makes you a junior? Yes, a junior... Going on my third year, looking forward to my fourth every single day, though. Yeah, cool. Well, congratulations. How do we know you, Athena? Okay, so you probably have heard about my dad from his podcasting and <laughs> cybersecurity stuff, but basically just a little bit about me. I'm currently interested in the field of engineering and specifically bioengineering and things like that. And in my free time, when I'm not devoting myself to my calculus worksheets, <laughs> I work in a biotechnology lab and I also volunteer at the Oakland Zoo. So some very fun things for me there. Awesome. Richard, what were you doing when you were a junior? <laughs> I, I'm so old, I can't even remember. No, uh, but thinking back on it, so I was a clarinet player. And as my, my junior year, I was first chair. So I was the band leader. So All it right. was quite a time for me. Um, and as a horrible student, um, just didn't, did, I was very stubborn and, and would push back when asked to do something like when a teacher asked me to do homework and turn it in. Um, so I got abysmal grades, but luckily I could skate through high school and most of college on the fact that I was really good at taking tests. So I could just, I don't know, get in the head of the test giver and give the answers. So, Well, looking at your CV, I think it worked out for you. <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, VP Research at Gartner, Web Group, Fortinet, you've been a lecturer, a uh, bunch of board memberships, uh, author of the security yearbook. What is your favorite thing, Ben? Uh, my favorite thing has been building the Edwin H. Gott. So I was a, a freshman in college, and I went to work in the shipyards in northern Wisconsin okay. as a welder. And so I spent the summer welding the last 1,000-foot ore carrier to be built um, and floated on the Great Lakes, and it's still out there. So it's the thing cool. I'm most proud of, and I can track it and maps and stuff and see where it's parked for the winter, for instance. So your favorite thing was within the physical realm, welding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. 
Yeah. Uh, we're here to talk about, uh, I think the, we're going to call it off to college with AI. That's right. What about you, you, Athena? How do you think about AI and how that's going to affect your, your college journey moving forward? Okay, so definitely as a student, AI is something that I'm kind of constantly thinking about. And I feel like it comes up in my daily conversation more than I would like to admit, to be honest. It's something that we really like to think about and just chat about, you know, ChatGPT. But of course, it's insanely helpful. Like, I'm the kind of person that if I have a question and I Google it on Google and the answer does not come up on that little like search box, I'm always like kind of too lazy to actually go on the website and find the answer myself. So basically ChatGPT, of course, it makes that kind of process for any single question that you could actually think of. So that is a really cool experience for us. But at the same time, we are kind of... I guess intimidated by the idea of having such a powerful tool just kind of at our fingertips. And I think our teachers have also kind of taken note on that because a lot of our writing and kind of assignments that require a lot of writing, all of those are done in class, on paper, handwritten. Mm -hmm. And even back in elementary school, I would hardly ever write full essays handwritten but now I feel like that's just the normal uh just situation because it is so easy to just put in the prompt copy pasted from our assignment and just have an entire essay written so our teachers are just trying to combat the use of AI in just like the classroom sense but for me I still think it's a little bit exciting to you know use it in my own kind of way just outside of classroom mm. So your teacher has kind of combated uh, the use of that stuff just by making you go back to the old days, basically. Yes, back to the basics, a uh, number two pencil, line paper, and just a timer on the screen with the prompt. Uh, what do you think about when you hear this, uh, Richard? Uh, I push back against the nihilism and retroactive thinking. Uh, large language models are the biggest advance in human ability and technology in our lifetimes. When I was uh, a young person, we, there was no such thing as color television. And now we're living in, you know, the world that we do. Mm. This is bigger than the internet. This is a, uh, you know, exponential growth in what humans can now achieve with the assistance of a large language model that has been trained on the entire corpus of all human knowledge uh, that's mm. been written. Um, you know, in that just English, it turns out that oh, it's been trained on all sorts of different languages and can read and interpret them. So I, I think schools should be just as, you know, there were times when they didn't allow calculators in class because, oh my God, that's cheating. You know, instead of grasping them and as a tool to really learn math and that gets stuck with, with mathematics, um, it, which of course we have now. We've gotten used to that. We're going to get used to large language models being available to us and AIs in different formats also. Mm. We, we have to be teaching that in high schools right now um, so that people, you know, th there should be prompt engineering classes, you know, for juniors in high school. Um, and they could possibly be the next generation of people working in computer science. Uh, what I... When I got out of college, I didn't, I didn't go to computer science, but I used computers in school. 
And when I got out, I, I started meeting people who were IT managers. So the management information systems, they used to call it. And these people didn't go to college because they had learned COBOL in high school and got jobs out of high school uh, doing COBOL because it was a hot new thing. And they just could never go back to college because they were making too much money as mm. IT people. The same thing would happen if you were good at prompt engineering. Um, you could immediately get a job at extremely high salaries. And high schools should be teaching that right now because it's going to be just an important part of every person's job. And just a fun fact for you, Athena, that uh, COBOL people are still making a ton of money that could that understand COBOL. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So your point there, Richard, was that uh, they're doing a disfavor to Athena and her friends by taking that away from them because they should be sort of Completely. embracing it. And yeah, exactly. And and I tend to agree with yep. you. But you had that has been a, a lecture. You do understand their challenge, I guess, right? Or what do you think it's like on their side of the fence, on the education side? Oh yeah, I totally understand it, right? If um, I had when I taught at uh, Charles Sturt University in Australia, we had at least one person who plagiarized. Um, mm. his essays, and I foolishly assigned essays. Um, today, I would do it differently. I would say, mm. you know, I would assign an essay to, you know, get ChatGPT to write the perfect essay about this topic and check all the facts and, you know, go back in and, and uh, create citations for the things and quotes, stuff like that. Um, mm. So I would leverage that. It would be easier for the students. They would still learn it because they'd have to... Uh, um, know how to prompt it to get what they want. And they'd have to know what they want, which is the hard part about writing an essay, right? Is know, you know, define it, know what you want. You want mm -hmm. it to cover three points and summarize properly, et cetera. So it's, yeah, that, that, yeah. I understand the challenge. Um, but hey, you're, you know, how many of us are, I, 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 I'm a writer, so I think writing is super important. And, um, and yet, uh, OpenAI is a writer too, and it's got the potential for being better than all of us. I mean, it never makes mistakes. It's grammatic mistakes, it makes errors all the time. But grammatically, you just get the right thing. It's like using Grammarly to write. Mm. It's fantastic. Mm. That's what I use it for now is the, the grammar because my uh, English sucks because I've been living in Norway for so long. But um, <laughs> so uh, you said biochemistry or something along those lines, right, Athena? Yeah. yeah, we're looking towards like genetic modification of plants. So that's kind of like what my lab is focusing on right now. A lot of plant tissue culture working in our laminar airflow hood. Definitely killed a lot of plants in there. <laughs> uh, still working on some of those uh, sanitation techniques. Yeah. So how do you think AI is going to um, affect that? Uh, I'm just going to call it AI because we're doing that now. But uh, how do you think that, you mm -hmm. know, that this whole new world is going to affect that industry? which is kind of high tech from before, I would say. Yeah, for sure. So I've already run into some curiosities with AI within our plant tissue culture lab because we're working on writing our paper for our research that we've been conducting. And, you know, just for fun, I wanted to see, like, what the what ChatGPT would say if I gave it the abstract of our research project and just see, like, what kind of paper it would 
like shoot out. And honestly, I thought the paper was actually kind of good. <laughs> and I was really blown away because I was like, no way they know about all of these techniques to sterilize equipment and all of these procedures that, you know, I have done personally. And it, this computer is just writing about it so eloquently. It was really fascinating to me. But as I was reading it, there were definitely some interesting points that ChatGPT made that I was like, this is definitely not right, but good to the point where if I saw it just like published online, if I just quickly skimmed through it, it was really on par with like the main ideas of a lot of other papers I've seen. So I feel uh, my, like my job of just like writing out these like big research papers could kind of be taken away and a lot of my work is maybe going to start getting like um, I don't want to say replaced but there's a chance that AI could just be doing a lot of what I'm already doing better and of course much faster. Mm. But you just hinted on it to yourself right? Uh, it's not exactly right. There's parts that are yeah. Uh, is there any other thing else? Like, by the way, do they teach you like the um, the dark side of AI? Do they do, is is this being taught to you, or did you just pick up that just by do, using it, the tool and understanding that it's not it's not perfect? Yeah. So, to be honest, even in my engineering class that I'm taking right now at my high school, where we do a lot of like digital electronics, breadboarding, all that kind of stuff, I would assume that we would have been chatting about like. AI and stuff like that a little bit more, but we really do not talk about it at all. And we kind of just stick to like our planned out curriculum, which I think is pretty interesting because I know this is such a new and fascinating thing that I would think our teacher would want to touch on, but we haven't really explored any of it or like even like the ethics of AI in my classes. So it's kind of just been up to me to research on my own, hear like other people's opinions, and of course, experience it firsthand when I'm testing things out just like in my free time. Mm. And are your friends doing that? I've honestly friends on both sides of the spectrum. Some of them are just always thinking, no, this whole AI stuff. It's like not going to bother me. I'm just going to keep on hmm. doing what I'm doing, how I've always done it. But I also have other friends. I'm really thinking about my one friend in my AP bio class. We work on a lot of projects together. And sometimes we'll just be working in class and he'll just nonchalantly say, you know, I'm not going to do my work right now. I'll just GPT it when I get home. And honestly, that's a little scary to me because A, he's my partner on my project, <laughs> but also B, how reliant he is on, you know, GPT. And, you know, that might just be his senioritis kicking in. But I think it's a little scary how even though AI is so new, it's already beco becoming like a regular part of some people's uh, completing their assignment checklist. They just shoot for the AI before, you know, like giving it a try themselves first. And right now there aren't, there are like AI like checkers that our teachers claim that they use on our assignments, but things always slip through and people are going to do it no matter what. Mm. So I think that's a little scary, but I hope that I'll be able to keep some of my morals for as long <laughs> as possible, trying to keep my work as authentic as I can, uh, you know, before just going for the chat GPT and not doing the work myself. Your father would be proud to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Richard, uh, what happens to us if we get um, 
when we get over-reliant on this technology or can uh, we become too over-reliant on it? No, I'm not worried about becoming over-reliant because, you know, a case in point, I was thinking as Athena talked about, um, you know, uh, you're working with biology and plants and you've got, presumably as a researcher, uh, you'll have a goal, right? I want to create a a variety of wheat that survives the winter, right? Um, So you'll sit down and you'll lay out a whole bunch of experiments and uh, paths to get there. So what if you go to GPT and ask it how it would do it and you use its plan for laying out your research and getting there? You're the one who came up with the goal and GPT helped you achieve the goal, then perfect. That's great. You know, now that's aside from the publishing thing, right? Because in academia, it's all about publishing. But in the real world, it's all about creating results. And, you know, publishing is, a, you publish to, you know, let other people get closer, help you get to the results. Um, it's not the same as just developing that variety of wheat that lasts longer in the winter. Mm. Back in the day when electricity came that the, uh, you know, the society made a choice then like, we, there's no way back. Once we put everything in electricity, there's no going back there. That's kind of like where we are now, right? Would you agree? Yep. Yep. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, I remember going to a, it was a Cyber Reason conference in Boston and they had brought in Gary Kasparov, who was arguably the first person whose job was replaced by AI. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because he lost to Big Blue and it was like the end of chess. So he had come up with a life philosophy that he can still play chess, but he's going to play augmented chess because he's going to have an AI available to him and he'll play other chess masters who will have their own AIs available to them. And so the human will do the strategy. The AI will check for mistakes and do all the hard work. Hmm. I didn't quite buy that. (laughs) I still don't. Interestingly, obviously chess is bigger than it's ever been in history. Um, and everybody's got access to chess bots that can help you. Uh, and yet chess is a big thing. So I think we'll Mm. come up with this marriage for all things. Well, the good thing, Athena, is that, um, your future employers and colleges, they're all trying to figure out how to deal with it right now as well. So it's, uh, and we're all learning at the same time. We pretty much have the same, unless we work for open AI or IBM or Google, we're kind (laughs) of like on the same level playing field. Right. Uh, even my company, like, um, we have like things like bid work, right? Public tenders. People ask us for our services. We have to compete with a bunch of other companies. It'd be really nice if we just had a GPT to just like answer these questions that we've answered a million times, but then we're giving all of our intellectual property. There's a bunch of like, there's a lot of reasons why people don't go full into there immediately, but it has to happen. I'm seeing you nodding your head. What do you think, Richard? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like almost trivial to do with GPT. Yeah. You, you don't have to worry about uh, it. Uh, training the model so other people can have access mm. to your answers uh, because contractually anyways. Now, if you don't trust yeah. OpenAI, then then yeah, you've got a problem. Um, and I would just go all in and, and even yeah. automate it, you know, put yourself out of business and sell the automation. That's um, mm. just the only way to go. And I, uh, somebody introduced a GPT yesterday on Reddit and it was a persona GPT. And I'm Ooh. in the process of Inviting from right now, we sell to venture capitalists, right? We've got a tool for analyzing the cybersecurity industry, and but we're adding all the products in the cybersecurity industry with the help of AI. 
And um, so I created Persona for a CISO because I'm in that, pro that process everybody goes through. I'm interviewing CISOs to get their input. What would they like this tool to be able to do? So it took only a few minutes to create a CISO persona. And I asked it, you know, what would it like to see in a product like this? It gave me a long answer with 10 bullet points. The first three we already do and the rest we've thought about and are aspirational. Mm. And it's like, we're done. I don't need to talk to any CISOs. It just summarized, you know, the world's knowledge of CISOs and what they would want out of our product. It's a, it, this is going to be the biggest impact on my life because I will, you know, create a product based off of something ChatGPT designed. Right. So uh, let me put it like this. So you have Athena and her friends, and then you have, you know, a company X and company Y. What happens to those that don't go, like, you know, put all their eggs in that basket and don't do it? How long is that going to take before they actually feel like fire underneath their feet? And Yeah. Uh, it, I, that's a good question. I wonder. Um, I'm waiting for it to show up in, you know, the world of, of writing, fiction writing. Right there will be authors. Mm. There, someday there will be a very successful fiction author who leverages GPT to write their books. And wouldn't it be great if your favorite author who produced, you know, a book in the series every year could produce one every six weeks, right? And which you could with GPT. Mm. And it'll it'll be a while before that happens. But when it does happen, you know, the other prolific authors are going to start wondering if they're doing something wrong and mm. <laughs> have to jump on the bandwagon. Do you have any questions for uh, for us, Athena, or for Richard, I guess? <laughs> well, to be honest, you've really like changed a lot of my opinions about, you know, AI as a whole. And definitely your comment about, like, using the calculator and in comparison mm. to AI, I feel like it definitely is probably, like, it has the potential to just be, like, a household tool that you just, like, easily reach for. And I was just uh, wondering, like, what you think, uh, like the job, I, I'm really concerned about my future. And I was just wondering, like, what do you think jobs are going to be like in a couple years once uh, GPT can just kind of replace a lot of like the menial tasks that a lot of people do just on their daily basis? Yeah, I, I think jobs are going to become much more enjoyable. The drudgery will be taken care of for you more of it, right? Mm. But, you know, Man, when I entered the workforce, we still had timesheets you had to fill out. Um, and I know there's still some jobs that have those. Um, it, or, you know, just the forms, the engineering, back when I was an automotive engineer, was a lot of paperwork. And there will be tools that will handle all that for you. So I think, uh, I think it's just going to be more exciting than ever. And trust me, you know, you're, it sounds like you're going to go into a, um, a career that has some connection to the physical world, right? And nothing more con connects you than biology. Um, so if, if you're in that field, you know, all this is going to be tertiary and secondary. It'll only help you in, in your job. Now, mind you, some fantastic discoveries will be made um, through, instead of what I call alchemy, which is the method a lot of things in material science are, are using right now, you know, they just try millions of connections of things. Um, some of the protein folding stuff is like that, um, to find new proteins and then new chemicals that could be used for treatments and stuff. And AI is doing a really good job of filtering through those really fast. Um, so 
there's going to be so much work. It's just we're at the we're at the beginning of the age of enlightenment for all sciences, and you're going to be right there. I'm I'm jealous. Hmm. I'm glad to hear it. Getting rid of the boring stuff. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I've at least uh, managed to do with yeah. my uh, use of it. Right. And yeah. Totally. Use your experience and the stuff that uh, your personality. You get to be a better version of yourself. Actually, much more efficient. Exactly. Mm. Any other thoughts from you too? Yeah, you know, I like to push back on the concept of this being the end of the world. Um, I know those who are working closely with large language models are uh, are somewhat afraid of uh, general artificial intelligence. You know, where you get something that acts if it's self-aware. Um, kind of hard to test if it's self-aware, but um, it, it would be hard to discern that it's, if it is self-aware or not. And um, it will we'll probably get there, you know, before you get out of high school, Athena. Um, and that is something to be prepared for just mentally, right? Don't suffer from shock, I guess, that that happens in the next couple of years. And be ready, you know, think of what that means for your career and for how you're going to leverage it to better your own life and those around you. Mm. I think from um, from my own experience, just uh, just use it. Like you using it and getting the most out of it. Buy that premium. Make your dad buy the premium uh, chat GPT, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Use it. Because if, you, if you're, uh, you know, you're still competing with everybody else at your age, whatever, but if you have that sort of knowledge and you can apply that to your future job, that's going to mean the difference between you and, and the others. And that same goes for me. And uh, Richard probably doesn't care too much about analysis. It's just fun for him. But uh, yeah, if you don't start using that, then you are per definition behind. Yep. Um, and yeah. Well, do you have any uh, last uh, comments or questions, Athena or Richard? No, but this definitely uh, improved my vision of, you know, the whole AI in the future. I know a lot of the times, like online, I see the AI is going to take all over all of our jobs and, you know, we're going to have a Terminator situation. So I think hearing your opinions really brightened my outlook on this topic. Good to hear. It was great, really great to hear, you know, what you're doing in, in school and what you're thinking about, Athena. We really appreciate it. It's going to work out just fine. So uh, thank you too, <laughs> Mr. Cena. Thank you so much. Uh, and I would call you Miss Contos, but that'd be kind of weird in this setting. So I'm just going to call you Athena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So have a great day. Um, and uh, looking forward to speaking to you in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Robin. Okay, thank you so much. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. If you have any concepts or ideas that you'd like us to discuss on future episodes, please feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn or to send us a mail to podcast at mnemonic.no. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.